to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is where the prophet has written, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. We thank God for his word to us. Amen. We're going to sing another carol written by our English poet, Chris. Well, good morning, church. Well, you've woken up by now. Good morning, church. That's better. Have my slides, please. So, today we're continuing our Christmas theme and we're looking at the star. A Russian couple were walking down the street in Moscow one night when the man felt a gentle drop land on his nose. I think it's raining, he said to his wife. No, that felt more like snow to me, she said. I'm sure it's just rain, said the man. They were about to begin arguing as to whether it was rain or snow that began to start to fall, when suddenly they noticed a member of the Communist Party walking down the Moscow streets towards them. Let's not fight about it, said the man. Let's ask Comrade Rudolph whether he knows officially whether it's raining or whether officially it's snowing. So as the party member approached, the man said, Tell me, Comrade Rudolph, what's the party line today? Is it officially raining or is it officially snowing? The man looked at the sky and says, Well, it's raining, of course. And he walked brushly on. The woman insisted, No, no, darling, I'm sure it's snowing. To which the husband replied, Be quiet, darling. Rudolph the Red knows reindeer. Signs, is it raining 
or is it snowing? And there are many signs around Christmas time, signs that Christmas is about to arrive. We may begin to get a Christmas card. We may begin to see people putting up notices. We've got family members, one, one, one of my nieces, she began to put her decorations up before Remembrance Day, early November. She begins, she really likes to celebrate Easter. So for her family, the time when mum gets out the Christmas tree in the beginning of November begins for her to signal the time of Christmas. There are many signs. None of the signs of Christmas's arrival was as bright as that first sign that God gave to the nation, to the world, in the, the, around about 4 BC. And that sign, of course, was a massive, bright globe in the sky it was a special star but announced to all who watched the skies that something very special was about to happen it was a sign in the sky now many people laugh at this and think to themselves well this is surely just another mythical legend something to go alongside other stories that are built up around Christmas time that isn't really substantially true But when we read this story in the Gospels, there's no hint that there's legend about this. This is a historical narrative. If we introduce legend in the early parts of the Gospel, where does the legend start and where does the legend end? Does it start with the Magi but then end before we get to the resurrection of Jesus Christ? The historical, when we have the gospel accounts, they're not written in any way in a, a legendary genre, a legendary style. There's very clear um, marks to legendary style, which we can find in ancient myth. And you can find this very clearly by reading some of the ancient les- legends about some of the ancient gods of Babylonia, for example. The famous myth about time, the creator, so-called Babylonian creator of the world, is a myth. And it's styled in myth. But the Gospels are quite unique in ancient literature in the sense that they don't write in a legendary way. If we were to write legendary, for example, about John Club, what would we say about him? We'd say he's a tall man, a strong man. Okay, We could could then begin to argue he gets to church particularly quickly because he doesn't use a car because he actually flies through the air or walks at a particularly vast pace. And of course, Carol will tell you he has no fault he, there's never, never has he done anything wrong in his life Carol has he done anything wrong in his life never exactly but the man's a livid legend and the thing about legendary characters is they come over always as being perfect as being without fault you know the legendary characters are people who don't sweat Legendary characters are people who don't have blackheads. Legendary characters are people who actually are, are supreme in everything, in their mental processing, in the way they conduct themselves. But in the Gospels, we don't find legendary characters. We find human characters. We find people with faults. We find people who, at times, are try and contradict Jesus and stop Jesus doing what he's, what he's trying to do. Remember that wonderful account later on in the Gospels with, with, um, with Peter. And Jesus asks Peter, who do you say that I am? And Jesus makes a declaration saying, I, I believe you're the Son of God. And in the next moment, Peter tries to prevent Jesus going into Jerusalem because Peter realises if Jesus was, go to, was go to Jerusalem, he would die. 
And Jesus turns around to Peter and says to him, Get behind me, Satan. Peter just declared Jesus to be the Son of God and next moment he's acting out, he's, bo- he's giving voice to the will of Satan trying to prevent Jesus to go to the cross. These are fallen people. These are fallible people. These are people like you and me. The Gospels aren't written in the nature of myth or in the nature of legend. They are simply written factually. And there's nothing in the story of, 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 in Matthew's Gospel that Terry read for us just now that is not possible. It's recorded in the Gospels as a historical event and there's good reasons for believing it is a historical event. The first thing we come across is these characters, the Magi. The Magi. The word Magi um, is a word from which we get the word magician. It's very easy to think that they're the kind of you know, ancient Paul Daniels wandering around the ancient Near East, but of course they're not. They weren't, Magi were not people who actually play, practiced sleight of hand. They weren't some ancient members of the magic circle. They did not practice clever tricks, but were a Medinian tribe and came from the empire of Persia. They actually became a tribe of priests. And in fact, in Babylon, it came to the stage where no sacrifice could, could, could be conducted in the empire of Babylon without a Magi being present. And in that way, they were a bit like the Levites to the Jewish people. They were skilled in natural science, medicine and philosophy. They were your intellectuals of the ancient world. They were the people you went to ask advice on, the people you went to when you felt sick because the Magi had practiced great knowledge and learnt great things about many things. And as a consequence, most kings and emperors wanted a member of the Magi to belong to their royal court as advisors. They wanted their children educated by the Magi because that guaranteed them getting a good education. The Magi were a, a, a skilled body of people and as they, as they grew in, in, in terms of their knowledge and their interests, they began to cultivate an interest in astrology, in the study of the stars. And the reason for this is well, as people looked at the stars, they saw order. And they believed when something significant happened, astrally, it must indicate something's going to happen on the planet. And so they began to look at the stars and follow the stars and made stories about what was happening up there was what was about to happen on earth. And the Magi that Matthew mentions were probably from Babylonia because they came from the east. And it was there that astrology had, was taken, had been taken most seriously and had been developed into something of an art. The Magi were a growing phenomena in the ancient world. And as they grew in their influence, so the idea of astrology began to grow, particularly in the East. And the idea of Magi visiting um, a, 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 another king in, in the inception of his, of his reign is not, un, uh, uh, is not itself unusual. In fact, we should find that the, a foreign king visited, the first, uh, visit was made by Tirat. Uh, Teradatus, the king of Armenia, with his magi to the court of the emperor Nero in AD 66, when Nero was first came to power, this king brought his magi, his royal court, all the way across from Armenia, all the way across to Rome to be received by the emperor Nero. And in fact, 
who wasn't only received, he was actually crowned by the Emperor Nero in Rome. So the idea of one king visiting another king, actually we find precedence for that in history itself. It's also very unlikely that the church would have made up this story because astrology is not something that Christianity approves of. We don't look to the stars to predict the future. We trust in God. And in fact, in the early years of the Christian church, it came into conflict with um, people who studied the stars. So it's highly unlikely that this story is made up. This story has all the nature of fact and and history behind it. But what's very interesting is if not only we look at the, uh, the Magi, but if we look at the actual idea of the star itself. And people have looked at the period back going back to 4 AD and said, did anything significant happen in the stars at that particular time? Well, what's interesting is not just one event, but there were several events that this star could relate to. Some have suggested it could be a comet. Some have even suggested that it might even be Halley's Comet. And Halley's Comet did indeed appear in the sky in 11 BC. And Halley's Comet, as we know, is a comet that appears with regularity throughout the universe. And um, um, Halley's Comet is one of the most familiar to, to most of us here, perhaps. But the problem is 11 BC is a little too early, even if it did appear just before the arrival of Jesus. So what about a planetary conjunction? Planetary conjunctions is whether, whether, when several planets move into the night sky at a certain time of, of the year. And there was a very interesting planetary conjunction in 7 BC. And that planetary conjunction was between Saturn, Jupiter and Venus. And was quite interesting as these three planets came into line and shone particularly brightly in 7 BC. The problem with this theory is that a planetary conjunction is in fact three stars reflecting light and not one. And therefore it's unlikely to be referred to in the singular to be referred to as a star. But there was a planetary conjunction in 7 BC. Another theory is a supernova. Supernova, as you may know, we don't know much about them actually, occur regularly in the universe when a faint star suddenly becomes brighter and then slowly fades. It's normally because the star is exploding and then imploding and disappears. When they're in the explosion phase, they become particularly bright and they grow in terms of their size. And there was a, a supernova that occurred in 5 to 4 BC that was recorded by, um, uh, by Chinese astronomers. And this is also recorded in, in history. But the problem is, is we haven't actually seen any supernova since the tele, uh, the, um, I forgot what it's called now, the tele, what's it called? Telescope, that's the one I'm looking for, sorry, just went around in my head. <laughs> um, there hasn't been any supernova observed since the telescope has been, been uh, um, actually invented. And so we don't know a great deal about them, and there's a lot deal of speculation about them. But there was, indeed, a supernova between 5 and 4 BC. But then there's another theory, and the theory is it was the dog star, Sirius. And what's interesting about the dog star is that the dog star became particularly bright between the years 5 to 2 BC. Again, this has been recorded by ancient astronomers. 
In those years, in the first, in the first day of the Egyptian month Missouri, Sirius, the dog star, rose at sunset and strong with it, shone with extraordinary brightness. And it's, it rose um, at, 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 on, on the first day and shone with brightness for a period of 70 days. And that's really quite interesting because the Missouri month means in, in the Egyptian calendar means the birth of a prince. And so the dog star, which is the brightest star um, that we see at night, shone particularly brightly for 70 days between the, uh, uh, bet, uh, between the years 5 and 2 BC. So during the birth of Jesus, before the, or around the time of the birth of Jesus, which is believed to have happened around 4 BC, there was a lot of unusual activity in the stars. And it could have been any one of these that prompted the Magi to go in search of a new king. You see, the story in Matthew 2 is not a myth. It's not an ancient legend invented by the church. Willie Barclay says this, There is not the slightest need to think that the story of the coming of the Magi to the cradle of Christ is only a lovely legend. It is exactly the kind of thing that could easily have happened in that ancient world. So whether the, whether the natural source of the sign in the sky or whether it had a supernatural origin, we don't know. But it was God's way of speaking to those wise men and making them begin that long journey in search of the new king. Because we see the role of the star was this. It pointed to a new king. It pointed to a new king. And there was great expectation around the first millennium that God was doing something incredible in the world, that there was to be a new king, and that new king was to come in the East. Even the Roman historians pick this up and write about it in their histories. One of them, Gaius Sestonius, says this, there had spread over the Orient an old and established belief, but it was fated at that time for men coming from Judea to... Sorry, that it was fated at that time for men coming from Judea to rule the world. And Tacitus also says this, there was a firm persuasion that at this very time the East was to grow powerful and rulers coming from Judea were to acquire universal empire. And you can read those quotations from both Tacitus and Suetonius in their writings. There was something of a messianic fever around about the first millennia. Something was going on. There was an expectation. People sensed something was going on. And this is why Herod did that terrible thing because he took it so seriously that a king was to be born in Judea. He took it so seriously that when he instructed the Magi to go out and to report to him where this king was and they didn't do it because God appeared to them in a dream, he took it so seriously he decided to wipe out all the boys of a certain age in Bethlehem. And we believe around about 72 children, 72 young boys under the age of two were slaughtered by King Herod at that time. There was a great belief that something special was going to happen. A child was newborn and this child was going to have a universal empire. And everyone was taking this very seriously, including this Magi that took this massive journey across many thousands of miles to visit the place of the birth of this king. And so it was that these Babylonian wise men were studying the skies, probably in Babylon itself, 
when they saw a new star rise. A star so bright, a star so pregnant with meaning, that they were moved to follow it and find out to where it would go. Now the Bible never encourages us to watch the stars or to engage in astrology, but here we see the grace of God in action. You see, in Babylon, there was a sizable community of the Jewish nation living. And they've been there ever since the Jewish exile. In fact, Daniel, 600 years earlier, had been placed in charge of all the wise men, all the Magi of Babylonia, by King Nebuchadnezzar. And you can read about this in Daniel chapter 2 and chapter 5. And these wise men may well have been influenced in Babylonia by the Jews living in their community. People like Daniel, people like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, those very strong um, believers. It may well have been that within Babylon itself, this belief in the, in the Messiah had began to grow and to ferment. And God wanted these astrologers, these wagis, to find this, this child, to find Jesus. And so he spoke to them in a way they could understand. Our God is a gracious God. Our God often speaks to us in ways that we can understand. I've read about uh, many um, uh, Islamic, Islamic men having dreams because in Islamic culture dreams are significant. And Jesus is appearing to people who are Muslims in their dreams. When they're unconscious, when they're sleeping, the Lord Jesus has appeared to some of them and some of them have come to faith and come to believe in him. And God is a God who sends signs to speak to us. And if God is speaking to you, listen. Take seriously the sign he is giving you, he is sending you. Our God is a God who wants to speak into our lives because our God wants each and every one of us to meet with this new king, to find this new king, to come to get to know this new king, to understand that this new king needs to be king of our lives as well as everyone's life in the world. He wants us to um, have the, the joy of knowing the peace and the power that this king brings when we submit to his authority in our lives. The Bible says this in 2 Peter 3 verse 9. He is patient with you all, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So if God is speaking to you and has been speaking to you over the last few months if God has been sending you signs like that star in the sky listen to God. Follow that sign and come to the birthplace of his son Jesus. Because we discovered that these wise men when they followed that star when it led them to Jesus it made them glad. We're told in verse 10, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Not just because the star, they seen the star, but because where the star had led them. The star had led them to Bethlehem. The star had led them to a stable. And, and, and in that stable itself, they found the cradle in which um, sat or lay the baby King Jesus. That made them glad. With all their learning all their expertise, all their skills. It was that star and the destination that that star led them to that made them overjoyed. And we have many people in this world in which we live who are seeking joy, who are seeking deep fulfilment, who are seeking to feel peace 
in their lives. And that peace and joy only comes when we come to the cradle of King Jesus. When we come to look upon the God-child and receive his love and his presence in our lives. He made them glad. They were overjoyed. Jesus says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. These wise men had sought Jesus. They had sought the new king. They had gone on this dangerous journey. And the star had led them to his manger and to his presence. And if we're really serious about seeking King Jesus, if we're really serious about finding him, the promise of scripture is that we will find him because he wants to be found. He wants you to know him and to have his joy and his presence in in your lives. People, let me encourage you as we enter into a new year of 2020, follow that star. Find the king and be overjoyed. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing our finest funnel carol it's as with gladness men of old. <laughs>